Welcome to the New Hope Church podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a three-part series titled Parenting by the Book. Here's this week's message from our pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly. In front of you. How you guys doing? Yeah? Good, good. I can tell. I uh, want to give a warm shout out. How's the Garner people doing in Garner, North Carolina? We trust you guys are doing well. The Coffee House campus, love you guys up there. The NCCIW campus, the virtual community, people all over the world via the internet, and our television community. Welcome one, welcome all. Amen? Amen. It's going to be a good day. Hey, did you hear what happened last weekend? Some of you might have traveled, but I think most of you were here and your brothers and your sisters and your aunts and your uncles and your grannies. We had 7,003 people come through the doors of this church last weekend. Crazy. Um, Easter Sunday, we had over 5,000 people. Um, that first number included Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, just the whole weekend. It was un stinking believable if you're back from that like if you came last weekend as a guest and you're coming back for uh, a second sunday we are so glad you are here i spread wide my arms and in the name of christ welcome you at all of our campuses any guests we welcome you i guess there won't be any guests at nccw but <laughs> if you're new at nccw we're we're not glad you're there but we're glad you're there, if you know what I mean. We're glad, we're glad you're part of the New Hope campus there in the ladies' uh, prison there in Raleigh. But it was an unbelievable day, man. We had, um, we had we, oh, let me get to the most important numbers. You know, I say 7,003, and that's exciting and all that kind of stuff because every number counts, right? But, but here's the thing you need to know. Over 300 people gave their lives to Christ. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And that's conservative. I mean, that's just those we know about. It's unbelievable. Uh, we dunked over 200 people. Uh, baptized 200 people. So if you are a freshly dunked, still wet believer, would you give it up for those guys? That was awesome. It's an incredible, incredible weekend. And uh, here we are for this series that we're starting today, Parenting by the Book. Let me just walk you through a few things. Um, if you accepted Christ last weekend, you probably haven't been baptized yet. Or if you've been thinking about getting baptized, our next baptism is May 20th. When? May 20th. 20th. Now, that's an important date for a number of reasons. One is that's an important date because we're having a, a party on the patio, another baptism celebration. But listen, guys, this is going to be a party on the patio at a whole nother level, okay? And, and here's what I mean by that. We're going old school, baby. We're doing a potluck dinner on the grounds is what I'm talking about. We haven't done that. I don't know. We, we, we did do that in the early days. We haven't done that in a long, long time. Potluck. I know some of you people can cook. Bring it, baby. Bring it. Uh, it's going to be, and here's the other reason why that's an important day. We're baptizing people and dedicating infants, but here's another reason. Um, Got to start talking about this. That's my last Sunday. Now, for those of you who are you're new and you're like, what do you mean that's your last Sunday? That's my last Sunday for three months. Um, my wife applied, and we were granted um, a, a three-month sabbatical through the Lilly Endowment out of Indianapolis. And if you weren't here when we announced that one Sunday, we, first we announced that to the personnel team, then we announced it to the staff, then we announced it to the membership body about a month and a half ago. We've rolled this thing out. If you missed all those communications, uh, my wife applied for a clergy renewal sabbatical. And um, she's amazing. Like, she got it. One of the most, it is the most prestigious clergy renewal reward with all kinds of, blessings in there for us all kinds of blessings in there for the church it's paid in full by the lily endowment and so may 20th is our last sunday um and then we will see you the last sunday in august and we're gonna miss you big time but we're dropping off the face of the planet basically i'm, I'm unplugging from email i'm unplugging from phone I, I'm starting it. I'm starting it in a in a uh, place called the Blessings Ranch in Colorado, where I'm going through counseling for a week. Pray for the counselor. <laughs> I haven't done counseling, dude, since I, I was getting off drugs um, 24 years ago, um, and so I'm gonna be sitting on a couch, man, with somebody, and he's gonna be getting all up in my stuff, and <laughs> and. and and messing with me, man, about like what, what this church, what, what leading this thing for 10 years like this might have done to me good and bad. And 
probably asking me questions that I'm going to be get out of my grill, but I'm going and I'm willingly embracing it, and I'm kind of excited about it. He's the best counselor in the country for pastors. We, we, we did our research. That's all paid for. Then the family comes out there and joins me. And, and by the way, we're going we're gonna to be blogging about this whole deal all summer on my, web, on my blog, BenjiKelly.com, and that's pretty much the only thing we're doing. Um, you know, we'll get on once a week. We'll give you kind of updates on what we're doing. The, the, the uh, worship team will be keeping you up to date on Sundays. We have an amazing summer planned. Like, guys, I've been working on this for three months. We've got some of the best sermons and series and communicators coming in. The goal of the sabbatical, and then i got to move on, but, man, I really want to spend more time with this. The goal of the sabbatical is that you lean in and go on a spiritual journey with us. That you, that you stay engaged throughout the summer as we're getting refreshed and renewed and restored and, and coming back. <laughs> the staff are worried about when I come back because watch out. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to spend three months with the Lord and my family. There's no telling uh, what ideas I'm going to come up with and where we're going in the fall. But, but you go on this journey with us, please. And, and the summer here at New Hope Church is going to be phenomenal. We're trying to make it the best summer we've ever had here. And uh, I, I know that you will do that. But So basically what I'm saying is I'm down to days. Like I've got five Sundays left. Um, and I want to make them count. And I'm excited about the, the final weeks. We're doing this Parenting by the Book. Then we're going into a series I'm very, very excited about called Ephesians. We're just plowing through the book of Ephesians. Verse by verse. Remember when we did the Colossians series? Oh man, you guys were just eating that up. So we're doing that with Ephesians. And uh, five Sundays left for me, really, literally days in the office is all I got left. And uh, I want you to pray for me. Will you pray for us this summer? Will you pray for my marriage? Will you pray for my kids? Will you pray for me as your pastor? And uh, man, I can't wait to come back in August. So all of that's to say, May 20th is my last day. I want to hug every single one of you at the old school potluck dinner. I want to hug, literally, I want to hug all of you. Every single one of you. If you're not a hugger, we'll do the distance thing. I love teaching on parenting. Are you ready? I love teaching on parenting. If you got your Bibles, open them to Deuteronomy 6. It is one of my favorite topics to teach on. Primarily because the kids give you just a library of levity. I mean, you know, parenting is just, it's a hoot. And it's crazy. But let me just offer a disclaimer, okay? Let me offer a disclaimer. I need everybody to listen. Just because I'm teaching on parenting and just because I love teaching on parenting, that does not make me a perfect parent. I need a little amen from that. Like you know that, right? And sometimes you people, sometimes church people get this mixed up, man. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. But like I, guys, I am, I, I am far from perfect parent. I'm not a perfect anything. And, and um, you just need to understand that you throw on top of that the fact that I came from a jacked up dysfunctional, capital D dysfunctional family. So I've been working against that my whole life. I'm not a perfect parent. I'm just someone who has found a perfect savior. <laughs> and he's been redeeming my life and teaching me things along the way. As such, you need to understand this, and this is also important. Like, I don't come in here and stand on my own. Like, I hope you know that every single Sunday. I never come up here and stand as a solo man in front of you. I always come in here and stand on the shoulders of great men and women who have taught me. Taught me through their books, some who have died, I still read their stuff. They've taught me through their sermons. I mean, I just started thinking, I just was, was thinking this week about how I wanted to communicate this to you. Mark Yoder, you know, if, he, if he's watching this, Mark Yoder, he's now in Alabama. He was my student pastor in Sumter, South Carolina. One of the best student pastors, but more importantly, one of the best men of God I've ever known in my life. And he welcomed me into his home all the time with his beautiful wife, Carmen, and their five kids. I saw awesome parenting in Mark. I think of Roby Kelly, my brother, who I know he and his wife uh, watch this. 
my brother Roby, who became a Christian at the age of like 16 um, because of the, the woman that he was dating and started to marry, he started modeling for me when he started having kids before me what it means to be a great dad. And he started to, to model for me what it means to break the generational curse that had been all up in my family. I think of great pastors like Craig Rochelle, Kevin Myers. These are guys that I, I lean on. They're mentors of mine. I study their stuff. They speak into my life, leaning on their stuff big time. I think of Growing Kids God's Way. Gary and Anne Marie Ezzo, if you never studied that book, Growing Kids God's Way, has deeply impacted the way my wife and I parent. There are more, but you get the point, right? Like, I don't come in here. Don't ever think that, like, you know, I go away during the week, and I, like, I, I, don't, I, I, I never come into the office. I just sit in the woods, and I go, oh. And God, like, fills me up with this stuff. That's not how it works for me. Like, it works for me by study, by leaning on great people and growing. And so I'm always, always, always leaning on somebody one of the reasons I love parenting, like I said, is because it gives me, it gives me lots of levity. Um, like, uh, not long ago, guys, I got, I got, I got five kids. Caleb is, Caleb is eight, and Joshua is six. And it wasn't too long ago, we were watching TV, the whole family. We were in the family room, and we were flipping through the channels. And TV's, TV's dangerous. And, and we were flipping through the channels, and we don't watch a lot of TV. We watch a lot of sports when we watch TV, but we happen to just be flipping through. And we came by one of those stupid sitcom shows. And if you spend a lot of time in front of stupid sitcom shows... Um, that's a sermon for another day, so I'm going to keep moving. Um, um, the, the, the person on the stupid sitcom show said, sit your A-double-S down. But he said the real word. He said it. Sit your. And, and I did what some of you do. I quickly turned the channel. You know, you're hoping they didn't hear it, right? You're hoping they didn't get it. Well, um, a few minutes later, one of the kids got up to go get some water and came back into the room and got in front of Caleb. And Caleb said, sit your A-double-S down said the word and and what was what was so what was what was what was what was more funny about it than anything was that he didn't have a clue what he was saying but if it was randy like grading him on american idol randy would have given him perfect score for pitch <laughs> believability yo dog that was awesome he's in it to win it i mean it was unbelievable i mean he said it and the whole family we just started dying laughing on the couch and then we said caleb you can't say that word he goes what does that mean just you can't say that Caleb I mean parenting and then yesterday yesterday I'm out I'm out on a kind of boys night out with Joshua just Joshua and I we never do stuff on Saturday nights but for some reason I took him out last night and we're sitting there eating at the loop oh God bless the loop love the loop and we're sitting there eating at the loop in Eastgate and Joshua and I are outside at the outside table and all of a sudden from from one extreme to the other you know to to sit your a double s down to my other kid my youngest Joshua says hey dad what, what's going to happen to us if you and mom die? Dude. I'm like, really? Joshua. What? I, think, I, I don't know, man. Why, why would he be thinking that? And I said, I said well, I said, um, I said Joshua, in, in some cases like that, kids go to foster homes, that sort of thing. Uh, and they go up for adoption and that sort of thing. I said, but you don't have to worry about that. I said, there's a family in the church. And they've agreed that if, if that happens, they're going to take our five. And uh, we've agreed that if it happens to them, we're going to take their three. And I, he said, it's all, I said, it's all worked out, Joshua. Don't worry about it. He took another little bite of his cheese pizza, and he goes, well, how, how will they know if you die? <laughs> I said, Josh, they'll, they'll figure it out, bro. They'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, parenting is just a trip. You know what I'm saying? Parenting is a trip. And I want to talk to you today about the priority of parenting. Take out your teaching notes. Take out your teaching notes. Grab that pen. Lean in. If you've got kids, man, this is all for you. Listen, if you don't have kids, this is for you. Because you might one day have kids. Or you might one day be put around kids. And you might need to know what we're trying to do as a church in creating a safe and healthy environment for the kids. So let's get right at this. This is for any and everyone. I need to first of all tell the parents that, that listen, guys, Parenting, I believe that solid parenting, I'm going to start today with a, at a 30,000 foot level. Then next week I'm going to start drilling down a little bit more on the way we love our kids. And then the following week I'm going to start drilling down on the way in which we discipline our kids. Like I think we're a culture that has gone amok on the discipline deal. 
But I think we're also a, a culture that's going amok on the loving deal. But today I want to start at 30,000 feet. I'm going to kind of zoom around this thing. And I want to talk to you this morning about the parental priorities. If I can put it like this. I believe that solid parenting starts with us first and foremost talking about the priorities of the parents as opposed to the practices of the children. Now let that set in. Some of you might be here and you might be thinking, I'm glad we're talking about parenting because I need to talk about my kids because they are all jacked up and driving me crazy. Okay? And I believe that solid parenting first talks about the priorities of the parents, not the practices of the children. So what is our primary priority of parenting? If you're taking notes, I want us to start in Deuteronomy 6. And before we read the passage, I want to give you the principle, and then we're going to unpack the passage. And here's the principle, probably in your teaching notes. A parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parents until their dependence rests solely on God. Now, that's important, guys. Your job as a parent, listen, is not to be your kid's best friend. Your job as a parent is not to be in a popularity contest in your own home. Your job as a parent, this should be your number one job. Plaster this. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your pocketbook. Put it in your Bible, whatever. Because we, we lose sight of this. Your job and my job in the parenting process, and we only have about 18 years to do it, is to transfer their dependence from us to them solely depending upon Almighty God, transferring that dependence. Now, in Luke 6, let me give you a little context. I mean, in Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 6, we're following on the heels of Moses giving the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5. So you know the, the story of ancient Israel, and Moses goes up Mount Sinai, gets the commandments from the Lord, comes down, gives them to ancient Israel, and we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you... And your what, church? Help me out. Your what? And their what? After them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy a long life. Amen? So, so what's the priority in that passage? What is... What is the priority? If you just look at the text, as you teach your children to fear the Lord, you teach them to live according to His commands. Not popular culture, but you teach them to live according to God's commands. That God has created everything. Do you realize that as a parent, God has put you in charge of your children? And that by doing so, listen, you hold within your hands the potential to impact generations. Like we forget that. We just kind of get so myopic in our view and it's, it's just our family. But for you to step back and say, you know what? If I parent these little biscuit snatchers well, I can actually not only impact their generation, but the next generation and generations to come. It is absolutely an awesome with a capital A endeavor and i would say that the fame of god the fame of god the reputation of god the glory of god rests in the balance in future generations as to how christian parents raise their children this is absolutely huge and deuteronomy 6 gives us two important principles that we're going to just kind of zoom in on today. If you don't get anything else, I want you to just internalize and eternalize for generations to come these two principles. And here's the first one. Parenting by the book. Principle number one. Here we go. Love your, I'm going to shorten yours. Are you cool with that? You are Love your 
God. The first principle that the, the, the popular Shema, Deuteronomy 6 is the most popular passage in the Old Testament. Every child, every ancient Israelite child understood this text. We teach our children to love your God. Say it with me. Love your God. Again, love your God. The first thing, the first priority of good, solid, biblical Christian parenting is to teach our children to love your God. Now look at verses 4 and 5. 4 and 5, Deuteronomy 6. We're just going to camp out there today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is, help me out, church. Lord is one. Let me just pause for a moment. The Lord is what? One. You do know we live in a culture of pluralism. We do know that we live in a culture where there are many gods, right? But the Bible says there is one God. I know that's not popular, and I don't give a flying flip. That's what the Bible says. One God. And the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Okay? That's just totally an aside. It has nothing to do with parenting, but I felt led to go there. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to circle the word all in this verse. If you've got your Bibles, you've got your iPads or your iPhones, whatever, or your droids, whatever, circle, <laughs> circle all. Love the Lord your God with, what is it, church? All your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Shema Israel Yahweh Elakad. That's the, that's the phrase in Hebrew. Every Israelite kid would say this. All the parents would say this. Love the Lord your God. The Lord our God is one. You shall love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the most important part, priority of parenting. All. It's, it's parents understanding that, listen, guys, you aren't, going to, you aren't going to ace the parenting process, and I don't know if any of us really ace it. You're not going to actually do good at the parenting process if you just kind of play games with God. Just give him a little bit. You know what I mean? God, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to give you Sundays. I'm going to talk like a sailor the rest of the week. I'm going to run my business in a, an unethical way. I'm not going to apply biblical principles, God. I'm going to give you just Sunday. Or popular in our culture, God, I'm not going to give you any day in church, but I, God, I'm, I'll give you a little bit. I'll give you my little prayer life. I, last week, last week, at only at the end of the third service, they got this. The rest of you didn't get this. But at the end of the third service, I talked about how many of us, many of us treat our God relationship as a compartment. I talked about how the truth is many of us kind of live life like it's a wheel. And there's all these spokes on the wheel. And there is, you know, there's the family spoke, there's the vocational spoke, there's the recreational spoke, there is the marriage spoke, you know, there is the uh, uh, I don't know, there's the travel spoke. We have all these compartments. And, and then what we do is we make God, little g if you will, we make God like a spoke of our life. He, he's, he's really nothing more than a compartment. And what we are very, very good as postmodern 21st century people is we're really, really good at compartmentalizing our lives. And so all these little compartments in our lives. Oh, money is a compartment. I'm trying to think of any others I can come up with. We got, we got all these compartments. I don't know that if I had friendships up here, right? We have friends, their compartment of our lives. And what we do is God is really just a little G God, and he's a compartment of our lives. And what the Bible teaches, what the Shema teaches in Deuteronomy 6, but what the Bible teaches from start to finish, listen, church, is that God is not a spoke in my life. God is the hub of my life. He is the hub from which everything else moves, lives, breathes, and has its being. God's not a spoke in our lives. And some of our greatest problem is that we've never made the move from transferring, if you will, God just having a compartment in my life to God actually being the center 
the hub. And what the Shema is saying, church, listen, what the Shema is saying is that we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our strength. We're to make him the very hub of our lives. And as we do, we teach our children how to love your God. And if we just have him as a compartment of our lives, guys, we, we're, we're flirting with disaster. Like, let's see if I can figure out a way to illustrate this. Like, how many of you, oh, I can't believe you do this. How many of you take a flu shot? A lot of you. Like, how many of you are foolish enough to not take a flu shot? Like me. Yeah, the, uh, we're the minority. But like, I, I, my wife gets on me every year. I'm not going to take a stinking flu shot. Why do I want to take a flu shot? Do you know what you crazy people are doing when you take a flu shot? Just kidding with you. Just love you. You know what you're doing? You're allowing some nurse with some needle, and I just hate me some needle. But now I think they can do it through your nose, right? But you, usually it's a needle. You're allowing some nurse with some needle to inject within you. Do you know this? A wee little bit of flu. And by getting injected with a wee little bit of flu, that, that makes you immune to the flu virus. Now, seriously, I'm probably the wrong one. Those of you who are doing it, you're probably the right one. I just don't like doing that kind of stuff. But he, here is my point. What many of us do as parents in the church is we just give our children a wee little bit of God. And by giving our children just a wee little bit of God, because we're only giving our children, our giving our God a wee little bit of ourselves, because we, he's just a spoke. He's just a spoke. When you do that, I dare say that you are actually doing more damage to your child then you are good. Now, I'm about to say something very, very controversial. I'm not even sure I fully believe it. So I don't know why I'm saying it. But I've, I've, been, <laughs> I've been wrestling with it all weekend. I've been wrestling with it. I actually think, right now in this moment, I actually think that it might be better as parents to, to not even expose our kids to God and the church if all we're going to do is show them a kind of half-hearted, spoke kind of Christianity, flu injection, a wee little bit of God, I almost think it's better to not expose them to that at all until we're ready to give God everything. Because what I think happens is in the same way that we immune ourselves from the flu, I think when our children see us play church, when our children see us play religion, when our children see us just kind of go through the motions half-heartedly, I kind of think, I kind of think we make them immune to God, and I kind of think it turns them off. Like, how many of you know? I know hands are going to pop up all over this place. How many of you know people? Maybe it was you. You were raised in the church, but what you saw was a bunch of people who just played church. What you saw was a bunch of hypocrites. What you saw was a kind of religion with a facade. What you saw is a bunch of people putting on masks, and you saw this huge disconnect between what they said and what they did, and you said the heck with it all. That's why we lost so many people in previous generations. So I, I really think, I mean, C.S. Lewis, one of the best quotes on this, this was one of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis. He says this, the one thing that Christianity can't be is moderately important. Either it's untrue, in which case it's of no importance at all, or it's true, in which case it demands your whole life. When we make God a spoke, when we treat him as if he is only moderately important. Listen, our kiddos find themselves knowing just a wee little bit about God, but not knowing God personally and in an intimately life-changing way. And teachers, te scripture teaches us that we should love God with all of our heart. And when we make him the hub of our life and we give him everything, then and only then do our kids really start to experience 
the majesty, the splendor, the holiness, for lack of better words, the awesomeness of God. And, 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 and here's, what we're, here's what we're great about doing, guys. We're great about allowing distractions to take our focus away from God. We're great about allowing, and, and they're good distractions. I mean, we're busy, busy people, right? And so what we end up doing in the Christian church is we end up saying, okay, God, I'm gonna give, you're going to be a compartment of my life. You're going to be a spoke. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make work the hub of my life. So really, if you really got honest with yourself, some of you might say, you know what? The truth is work has become my God. And I work all the time. And I don't value family time. Well, I value it, but because I've got work on the throne of my life, I don't really embrace it. And besides, I mean, I've got to, I've got to make a good living because I've got to, here, here's, and, we, and we Christianize it too, I've got to bless my children because, and what we say by that, when we, what we mean by that is often, I've got to bless them with a nice home. Nothing wrong with a nice home. Love a nice home. I've got, I've got to bless them. Hey, every 16-year-old child should have a car, right? So I've got to work a little extra time so that my child can have a car because in America, particularly in this area, if our child does not have a car at 16, it must be child abuse. <laughs> right? 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 I, I've, got, I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to work 90 hours a week so that their little booties can you know, slip around on leather in our car. Right? Right? Or, or here's another one. Here's one huge in our culture, sports. And does anybody doubt that I love sports? I mean, I love sports. Um, but here's what we do in our culture. Now, because our culture is pluralistic, like I said earlier, now because our culture doesn't honor Sundays anymore, all these events are going down on Sunday. And here's what many, many Christian parents do. What they say is they say, you know what? I know we should go to church, but hey, little Johnny has a soccer game. So let's go play soccer, right? Now, what are we saying? This is serious, serious business. I'm kind of saying it. Uh, jokingly, but what are we saying to our kids when we do that? Here's what we're saying. God's not really that important. God's just a spoke. And if something comes up on Sunday, I'm not going to go to church. I was in the mall not long ago, South Point Mall. And I ran into this family, man, great family. And, uh, and we, we just kind of knew them. We don't know everybody in this church anymore, but we knew them. And so I ran into them, and I can always tell when folks haven't been there because they kind of get that sheepish look, you know. And they didn't do it that, quite that bad, but I started talking to them, and, and, and I said, and I asked sincerely because I wasn't really sure because I can't keep up with it anymore. I said, hey, have you guys been around the church? I, I haven't seen you. I miss you. And, and, and she, goes, she goes, no. And here, here it comes. Here it comes. You know it. She goes, no, we've just been so. <laughs> and I, I said, really? She goes, yeah. I said, and so I always probe a little bit because I, I always want to know if we've done something, you know, to hack somebody off or I, I really don't. I, if somebody doesn't like it here and they want to go somewhere else, that's fine. I just want to make sure they're in a church. So, so I, kinda, I said, are you sure? I said, we didn't do anything. No, no, nobody did anything. And she, she said, no. I said, really? I said, because I I, I, we always want to know that so we can learn and, and how to do things better. She goes, no, really. She goes, we've just been so busy. We're running nonstop and we got these sporting events on Sundays and, and this and that and this. We've just been so God spoke a compartment that can actually be shifted when the things of this world come up. Now, the good news to that story is they, they're back in church now. I think the run-in was really, really good. And they're back, and they, they said, you know what? That conversation convicted us. We're going to make some life changes and, and that sort of thing. But listen, guys, this is so important and I'm not talking about coming to church and kind of doing the spectator sport I'm not talking about arriving to church you know 10 minutes late and running in and and, and then as soon as the message is done getting up and running out you know before the offering <laughs> I'm not talking about any of that I'm talking about to beat the crowds to the I'm talking about actually leaning in and embracing God through the ministry of his church. Let me tell you something. Kids who become active Christ followers as adults, listen to this. If mom and dad went to church, these are hot stats right out of percept, 72% of kids will as adults. If mom and dad goes to church, how many go? 
72%. If mom only went to church, this is amazing, 15% of kids will as adults. Dads, listen. Oh, Lord, dads, listen. If dad only went to church, 55% of kids will as adults. Dads, men, look at me. Look at me, men. Number one, you're stinking awesome for being here. Way to go. Way to go. Don't sell your role and your participation short. What you do as a dad, it is huge. If neither mom nor dad, 6% of kids will as adults. Parents, do you love God as the hub of your life, as the center? Do you, do you embrace God? Is God a part of every bit of your life? Do you love him with your heart, with your soul, with your strength? Or do you just love God a wee little bit? And don't give me any of this, well, it's not about church. Number one, you, you can come to church and not love God. Amen? You can play church. We just talked about that. But you can't not be involved in the church and really and truly follow and love God. Did you catch that? You can come to church and not love God, just play games. But you cannot not go to church and really, fully, intimately give your life to God and follow him. You know why? Because the church is his bride. You cannot love Jesus fully but hate the church. You cannot love Jesus fully and, and, and kind of stiff arm Heisman, his bride. Can't do it. Can't do it. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Love your God. Oh, this, is, this next one is so key. Lead your family. Write it in. Love God and lead your family. Back to Deuteronomy. We just looked at verses uh, 1 through 5. Here we go. Look at verse 6. Let's read it out loud. We haven't read any scripture out loud. All of our campuses, y'all join in, read out loud with us. Ready? Go. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Let's continue. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Listen, church, the Bible is saying as parents, as you teach your children to love your God, lead them in the same endeavor. Make God a part of everything you do in your life. God is setting this principle out so very clearly in the very beginning of scriptures. Listen, parents, this is to you. This is to me. Our responsibility is to lead. To what? Lead our family. And I mean really lead. Not to be, not to be your children's best friends. And that comes, and that's a part of it. But to lead them, they don't need a buddy. They need a mom and a dad who will take them by the hand. Ephesians 6, we'll get to that text later. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Lord. We lead our families spiritually. Spiritual talk becomes not just something we do on the weekends, on the way to church or youth group or whatever. It becomes a part of our lives seven days a week. It becomes the hub. Duke of Windsor, Edward. Edward said this. He said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. <laughs> Think about it. Pause for a moment. The thing that impressed him most was the way the parents obeyed the children. Parents, here's a question. Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? 
come on now. I see parents all the time. And the kids are calling the shots. The kids are leading the parents as opposed to the other way around. Now, we're going to be getting into this over the next few weeks, so you don't want to miss a single Sunday. But I was just thinking about today how I would, how I would kind of get into some of this. And, and again, I'm not a perfect dad. Man, I've got a long way to go. Some of my greatest struggles in life is how I blow it, okay? So I'm not the perfect dad. But, but I thought what I might do, what I might do now is just, is just talk to you about some things that we do, that we do in the parenting process to try to lead our children and try to make God the center of it all. The first thing, um, it kind of goes without saying, but we try to make God the center of it all. I mean, you know, we just, that's what we try to do. We, uh, we, we, don't, we don't play God. Like, here, here's what kind of blows my mind sometimes when I talk to you, you folks. You think that because I'm a pastor that life is easier. Like, like I'll talk to some people sometimes, and you kind of get the impression with the questions they ask. They'll say things like, well, you don't really have to deal with this. You're a pastor. Your, your kids, God just gives you extra blessings, and, and your kids, they're, they're, they're past. I mean, you get the impression that you think that, like, when we rise in the morning, my wife arises with, you know, that long dress that I described last week and a bun on her head and some homemade butter and a hot breakfast. And you get the impression that you think our kids then fall down and say, oh, bless thou mother, mother of your, your blessed womb. Um, you, you know, I, I, so when I talk to you sometimes, sometimes I think you, you get, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. You get the impression, you get the impression that sometimes, you, you know, you think that like angels come into our home and, and with the angel wings, they pick up the dirty clothes from our dirty baskets and take them, fly them, flap, 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 into the laundry room and, and then they come back out and the angels take them to the, to the clothesline and, and you just, you just kind of get the impression that we're just like, different from you. And it's a little funny, but guess what? Guess what? It's a little insulting. Like, guys, we live in the same world you do. Do you not think that our life is, is, is just like yours in the sense that it's full of stress? I mean, we've tried to start this church in 10 years and, and raise five kids while doing it. <laughs> You're talking about some stress. Okay, so so what we try to do is we just we, we just try to make God the center of it all. Sometimes I think you think that because we're a pastor family, we have these godly devotions, right? And then and then you know we sit down and and the angels come and sing the hallelujah chorus or something, and we all pray and and we all hug. No, no, no. We have kids saying to other kids, "Sit your a double s down." <laughs> right, right, right. So we we just. We just try to make, and here's, here's what you need to know about me. Like sometimes I do things in here that get people uh, hacked off and they think I shouldn't. Some people think I shouldn't wear jeans and some people get mad if I say an occasional freaking and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm not the perfect pastor, you know. I, I, I'm not the perfect pastor. But here's what you need to know. Guess what? The same way I am up here on the stage is how I am in my home. Like I'm just, I'm just who I am. And, and we're not, and, and we're not, we're not perfect. Like, we mess up, but we just kind of make God the hub. And when we mess up, we try to say we're sorry, and, and we're just trying to figure this thing out. Um, here's the second one. We try to do devotions and life group stuff together as a family. We, we actually try to do devotions, and we don't always ace this. But, man, we, we try to get together and just talk about God and how are you doing. And, and we have our kids do devotions, and we put verses out, and they memorize them and all that kind of stuff. And then we try to get together uh, once a week. Um, we try to keep it real. That's what I just talked about, actually. I kind of got ahead of myself. Um, here's another one we do to try to, to try to love our God and lead our family. We, 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 church is a given. Like, church is a given. It's not optional because the church is the bride of christ with all of our faults and all of our failures listen she is still the hope of the world and church is not optional and as our kids get a little older they might push back on that get your butt in the car you're going to church it's not optional serving check it out serving is not optional like our kids serve period our kids help start this church the three little ones 
the three big ones now, they were the three little ones. They helped start it. I mean, serving is not optional. You, you, you got to do it. They say, Dad, I don't want to. They don't yet, but they might. Dad, I don't want to. Thank you for sharing with me your sentiments. <laughs> now get your butt in the car. We're going to... Why? Because I'm the leader. And don't say I'm the leader because I'm the pastor. No, no. You're the leader. Mom, dad, lead your family. They will thank you later. You're not in a popularity contest. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, We lead our family, um, how might I put this, counterculturally. We lead our family counterculturally. What I mean by that is, um, guys, listen, normal's not working. Have you figured this out? Like, normal is not working in our culture. So, so we don't do everything that everybody else does, which makes us a little weird at times. But, but that's okay. Uh, an example is every single year, because my kids are awesome athletes, every single year we get multiple invitations for my kids to do this um, travel ball, AAU, I think is what it is. And, uh, hey, I'm not against travel ball, man. For some of you, that works. But like for us, we've never thought about it for even a second. Like, no way. No way. If we do travel ball, we will spend days on, on the weekends and during the week traveling, and we'll, it'll cut into our family time. It'll cut into our church. It'll cut into serving. So we just made a decision. That's just an example of countercultural kind of stuff. We value family time big time. So an example of this, sometimes our kids will get invited to do things and we have to say no. Like, can they come over or can we do this or can we do that? And often the answer is yes, but often the answer is no because we're valuing family time big time. We will not let anything intrude upon family time. Here's another one. This is important, guys. This is so important for Christians because Christians... Man, Christians can just look like they, they, they've eaten a sour onion sandwich every morning. I don't know why Christians can be like this. We celebrate. We celebrate every chance we get. We'll celebrate anything. Like we just got finished with the NCAA basketball tournament. We all filled out our brackets as a family. And uh, the deal every year is that the winner gets to pick the restaurant and we go out and have a party over that. Right? Now, they haven't added up the brackets this year because I won. And they know it. And it's hacking me off. Anna Grace is the scorekeeper. She hasn't done it this year. I'll say this to her in the second service. She needs to add the brackets up. Big Daddy gets to pick the restaurant. We celebrate, man. Nights out. They get, if they get good grades, we celebrate. If they, if they lose a tooth, we celebrate. If they, and whatever. We look for any possible change. Because you know why, guys? Listen. I want my kids. When they look back upon their life and being raised in our home, I want them to think that following Christ was fun. You know, man, we, some of us missed this in prior generations. You, you kind of got the, the message, you know, to, that being a Christian was just, just, just suck it up and be miserable all your life. And don't worry, hold on tight, because one day you're going to get to heaven and it's going to all be good. Like, I think I'll pass, you know? (laughs) Or at least I'll wait and have a deathbed conversion or something, you know? Man, make it fun, guys. Make devotions fun. Make it just have fun. Dance around the house. If you can do it and you live out in the country, dance around in your skibbies and squirt one another with a water hose, you know? Just um, skibbies, I won't go into interpreting that for some of you. But I think you know what I mean. I mean, just have fun. We celebrate every chance we get. So we're celebrating every week something, something. Here's here's the last one I think. I got a lot more, but I think I'm just going to start with this one. We monitor their interaction with the world. Like, 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 yeah, we look at their text messages. I bought that phone. hand it over, baby. We monitor their text messages. We, we don't allow computers in their bedrooms. And some of you do, and I'm not knocking. I'm just telling you what we do. If you, if you let a computer go into your kid's bedroom, 
be warned and be careful. And beloved, you have every right to go on a regular basis and check out that historical log. Okay? I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend having it. We have one computer, center of the house, out in front of everybody. I could do a whole message on pornography. I've done them before. I'm not going to hit it today. Dangerous, 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 dangerous. We monitor that stuff. Um, they don't do email anymore because email is old school. But when they used to do email, we'd look at their emails, right? right? We monitor that. And, and sometimes we're not popular. Amy Lynn, Amy Lynn's got this website, dude. It's I don't even know. I don't even know what the website is. But according to my kids, it's it's the conservative Christian website. And um, and I hate using terms like conservative and liberal because what do they mean anymore? And it's just usually in the political realm just to cause fights. So I don't use them regularly. But they started calling it Mom's Conservative Website. And what Mom does on her conservative website, and it's a great website, is that she, um, any movies that they want to see, she goes to this website and it tells her what language is in there, what's in there. Uh, it's just a really, really, really good website. The kids hate it. And I just sit back and laugh and say, it's your mama. You better respect her and honor what she says, and what she says goes. I love it. I love it. We lead relationally. We lead relationally. I said I wasn't going to do anymore. I'm going to do one more. We lead relationally. I take my wife out on dates. I want my kids to see my wife and I dating. This is important, guys, because they're watching you. I want my boys to see how to treat a woman. I take my daughter out on dates all the time, Anna Grace. I take my boys out on boys' night out. But I take my daughter out because I want to show her how a man is supposed to treat her. So that when some hairy-legged <laughs> scumbag comes up to my house and wants to date my daughter. Not a scumbag. I'm just kidding. She would never consider a scumbag. There are no scumbags because God loves everybody, I know. Don't send, don't send me an email about that one, seriously. <laughs> don't do it, seriously. <laughs> but when that, John, I need to reel it in, don't I? I love, I love talking about parenting, dude. When that hairy-legged dude comes up to my house and I take him into my house and I sit him down beside my gun case and, oh, yeah, I have one. <laughs> and some of you people who are against guns, listen, they're hunting guns and I believe in gun control. I got one and I will control you. Um, <laughs> Um, good Lord, I can feel the emails coming now. Um, but when I do have a gun, I'm a hunter. I hunt and fish. I don't have any of those killing guns. But I will sit that hairy leg dude by my gun case, my hunting guns, and we will talk. But I want her to know that when I give the green light, and yes, I'm going to have the final say, when I give the green light and they go out on a date, I want her to know how that hairy leg boy should treat her. This is important stuff, guys. I do it with my boys, teaching them these kinds of things. I, I, and I'm not perfect. I just try to lead relationally. I got to wrap up. Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6. Train a child in the way he or she should go. And when they are old, when they are old, they will not depart from it. Read that out loud with me. Ready? Go. Train a child in the way he or she should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. What a promise from Scripture. Train them. Lead them. Same thing. Lead and train them. The Hebrew word there is kanak. Say it with me. Kanak. One more time. Kanak. That's that word Train. Listen, what the word actually means is the palate of your mouth. And in the Old Testament, what a mother would do when she gave birth to a child is she would dip her finger in a little bit of paste. She would put it on the palate of the child's mouth so that the child then desired to nurse, and thus the nursing process began. Kanak. And the Bible is saying, listen, you... You train them, you lead them in such a way that you're wetting their appetite for God. That's your job. That's your responsibility. If you miss any of that, can I just say, 
I don't care if my kids go to an Ivy League school. I would love for them to. Don't get me wrong. But if they go to an Ivy League school, if they make six digits plus when they get out, if they meet and marry a, you know, a drop-dead gorgeous unbeliever, and they go the ways of the world, if they have everything that the world says is good and successful, but I have not whet their appetite and drawn them into a living relationship with God, beloved, I have missed it. I've missed it. Knock, train them, lead them. You say, how? To teach them to love your God and to train them to lead your family. That's how you do it. You teach them these things. You do it. You actually lead them. If you want to half-heartedly let life happen, then just forget about all this. And beloved, they will be in a position and a place one day where they don't know that God is the only answer to their life. You, life is hard. Life is unpredictable. And our job, if we can just go full circle here, is to teach our children to, to transfer their dependence from me as dad, from you as mom, to transfer that dependence to almighty God. And you do that. Listen, you do that by leading them to love your God and lead your family. Because if you don't, I don't care how successful they are. Life will one day take its shot. And if you have not taught them how to lean on God, they will lose their way. If you do not teach them, because listen, life will fly by as a parent. Some of you know this. I can't stand it to think my daughter can be driving in a year. Notice I didn't say she will be driving in a year. To think my twin boys are about to be teenagers, it'll fly by. This is our job to lead them. Remember this theme? Watch this. Where's Mama? She's upstairs. Hi, Forrest. I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, all right. We sure got you straightened out, didn't we, boy? What's the matter, Mama? I'm dying, Forrest. Come on in, sit down over here. Why are you dying, Mama? It's my time. It's just my time. You be afraid, sweetheart. Death is just a part of life. Something we're all destined to do. I didn't know it, but I was destined to be your mama. Hmm. I did the best I could. You did good, Mama. Well, I happen to believe you make your own destiny. You have to do the best with what God gave you. What's my destiny, Mom? You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates, Forrest. You never know what you're gonna get. Mama always had a way of explaining things so I could understand them. I will miss you, Forrest. She had got the cancer and died on a Tuesday. Life is 
really like a box of chocolates. You never know. And they never know. And because they never know, guys, the one thing we have to do as parents, the hub responsibility to teach them to love your God. And we do that by not shrinking back from the awesome, and I know it's a little overwhelming at times, and intimidating responsibility, particularly when you're like me and like you don't even feel like you're, you're qualified. You know what I mean? But we cannot shrink back from the leadership that God has placed upon you as a dad and you as a mom. And we as a church. Some of you don't even have kids and you're in Hopetown serving. How incredible is that? What do we do in Hopetown? We teach them how to love your God. And we lead them to do that. It's a sacred moment whenever we're talking about our children. I know that you're here and you're like, that's, we love them more than we love ourselves, right? So I want you to take a sacred moment here and I just want us to bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray for our kids. All of our campuses, would you join me in prayer? God, we ask that in your holy presence today that you would speak to us, Father, that you would challenge us, that you would stir us in life-changing ways. God, we want to first of all just pray for our kids. God, as their little faces and little hearts and hands and feet and bodies, and for some of us, God, they're, they're not little anymore. But as those precious faces pop before us, we visualize them right now. God, we pray for them. God, we so want to train our children in the way of the Lord. And we so want that verse to come true so that when they are old, they will not depart from you. So, beloved, I want to invite you in light of that to think about your own leadership. To think about your own influence. Not just to your family, but think about the whole world. Even if you don't have kids, I want to... I want you to ask yourself, are you spiritually leading your friends or are your friends leading you? I want you to think about that. How's your spiritual leadership? Parents, what about you? If you look at your own life, would, would you say, you know what, I'm not the spiritual leader that God's calling me to be. I'm just not. And the truth is God just spoke to my heart. And I want to make him the hub. I want to remove him from being a spoke in my life to be in the very center. I don't want to play religious games with God, with myself, and with my children or my friends. And if God has spoken to your heart today and you know you need to kind of move God back onto the throne of your life, I want to invite you to do something right now. I just want you to raise your hand just right where you are. Just lift it up high at all of our campuses. If you, you know that you've had God just on the sidelines, a spoke in your life, raise them up high. Yes, yes, yes. Hands all over this place. I believe probably the same at our campuses. Father, would you bless these people who are in, in a very real sense, God, just rededicating their lives to you. Asking you to forgive them for, for making you just secondary. God, we want you to be primary in our lives. God, we, there are many of us here, we just have you as a little bit, just a little bit. God, we want to give you everything, including our children, including our parenting, including our leadership. We want you to dominate our lives. We want you to lead us as we lead them. So God, I thank you for what you're going to do in this series. I thank you for every single person who is here and, and leaned in and engaged. And God, they, they want to do what's right. Thank you that they're here in the church. Thank you that they're trying to, to raise their children in the way of the Lord. Would you bless them? Would you help us learn and apply the teachings of your word over these next few weeks? For we want you to receive glory and honor in our lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives of their children and their children. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, our great God. Amen and amen. The worship arts ministry is going to come out and we're going to sing a song about the greatness of our God. It's a great song.
the final song we're going to do today. After that, I'm going to uh, call the missionaries up and we're going to send them off to Kenya. So I would love for you to stay for that. That's a sacred moment. But let us respond in this song. Let's sing about our God who is great. Amen? And let's, as we sing, let's worship Him and give Him our lives in the whole parenting process. And if we don't have kids, we can give Him our lives in every other sphere as well. You see, guys, our child, our children, they're the spoke, not God. So even if you don't have children here today, this, per this message applies to you because you have other spokes in your life. Let's sing about the great God who deserves to be put on the throne of our life. And let's let him speak to us right now as we respond. Amen. Won't you stand where you are? Let's worship him. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.